RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 6, Episode 1, Star Trek Writer-Director Information, August 30th, 1966. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Yes, welcome. Welcome, all you Star Trek history fans, all you background fans, all you canonistas, I say that lovingly. Yes, in short, all of you Trekophiles, thank you. We're officially starting our sixth season with this episode, and it's a great one. It's a great one. We're going to go back to the roots of the original series with um, a particular character, a particular uh, actor, and someone, our guest today, who knew them very well. So listen, as always, find us on Facebook. Find the document of the week. And here's a sample coming up, but you know what? Listen, come right back, and I'll be here with this week's guest. Yeoman Janice Rand. This character, replacing the pilot Yeoman, will be played by the lovely Grace Lee Whitney. When Captain Kirk's earlier Yeoman was retired, Kirk expected a like replacement, a grizzled veteran, close-mouthed and competent. He was astounded to find that the replacement was equally competent, but female. His immediate intention was to transfer her, but before the proper forms could be processed, Yeoman Rand had proven herself indispensable, and Kirk accepted, with gratitude, her near-flawless ability to comprehend, execute, and anticipate. Hey, yes, welcome back, Truckophiles, and you guessed it. The focus of our episode today is the lovely and talented Grace Lee Whitney, the late, great Grace Lee Whitney. A lot of folks remember her from her appearances in later years at conventions. Uh, we know her as, uh, some say, with the first recurring star of Star Trek, although she actually was in the regular cast, but alas, was only part of the show for the first half season of the first year. Um, making a lot of appearances back again during the movies. There's an awful lot about Yeoman Rand and Grace Lee Whitney that, um, you know, the, 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 the passage of time is, has dimmed a little bit. There's a lot of fun aspects of the character and her situational role in the show, even though she didn't uh, last to the entire length of the series. But was a was a lot of fun for a lot of fans. Listen, we found this document because it brings up a point about her placement in the original part of the show. And that's what I want to get in with today. And guess what? Yes, Grace Lee has, uh, has left us. But today, I'm thrilled to welcome her son, Jonathan Dweck, to be a guest with her to talk about all things Grace Lee and her life before Star Trek, during and after. So, Jonathan, welcome to the Trek Files. It's so wonderful to be here with you, Larry. And thank you for asking me to be here in my mother's honor. Well, certainly, certainly. This is a, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's sweet and there's bitter when we talk about Grace Lee and, and Yeoman Rand, too, for that matter. Um, let's just set the scene here. You're, uh, this was 1966, 1965, 66, when they were shooting her episodes, 67, the first year. How old were you when your mom was part of the show? Well, I was uh, born in 1959. Uh, right now I'm 61 years old. 
uh, I was about uh, six and seven years old when she was shooting Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now she'd had a career obviously before this and a lot of credits. Um, now she wrote her book, um, my, uh, the longest Trek, my tour of the galaxy. And that's been a, you know, she sold many of those and you still have it available. We can talk about that in a second, but I mean, she sang, uh, she opened for Billie Holiday. She was on Broadway and top banana with Phil Silvers. The one I remember the most, I think is most accessible to people is she was in some like it hot. She was one of the band girls on the train with Marilyn Monroe. Um, she was in Irma Deuce. She was on all kinds of episodes, not just Star Trek, but obviously Star Trek is her, is her, <laughs> is her big ticket item here. And then she had her career after that. She struggles with addiction, um, uh, and, uh, recovery from that, and all the work she did after that. Uh, so she had a huge life. But you know, start out of the gate. Our document of the week. We're talking about Janice Rand. Do you remember when she was cast? Do you, what's your memory of that time and you as having a mom in Hollywood and you know doing acting and all that? Oh, sure. Performing. You know, um, <clears throat> there were so many opportunities that she. Um, engaged in as a as a spunky, uh, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, a spunky actress and entertainer, and had a lot of energy. And um, growing up with her was a, a whirlwind experience. Um, always fun, lively, exciting, spontaneous. Uh, my mother was um, uh, quite uh, energetic and. Uh, uh, she had a, a wonderful uh, 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 leading up to Star Trek, uh, where she played, uh, she sang in Detroit, and she uh, played on Broadway, she acted, and she entertained um, with her dancing, and in um, so many different opportunities that um, uh, she just, uh, at the time when I was born, she was actively engaged in acting and entertaining. Some Like It Hot happened right uh, around my uh, second uh, birthday. And mm. um, uh, I, I just have memories of uh, her leaving, yes, leaving and going on these acting uh, jobs and um, leaving us with our housekeeper, and um, which was very popular to have at that time, and to, uh, who took care of mm-hmm. us. And she was in and out and uh, active, uh, uh, active in the entertainment industry. It was um, quite the whirlwind and, uh, uh, and always uh, spontaneous. Uh, we celebrated. <laughs> we celebrated her career uh, as she was um, uh, successful. She flew us to Disneyland on a hot, on a helicopter out of Burbank Airport. Um, we did wild. <laughs> yeah, we did wild things like that. She um, she uh, we took a seaplane to Catalina and landed in the sea. I have uh, memories of that when I was four and five years old. Um, we, yeah, the the island off the co- LA coast, about twenty six twenty six miles across the sea, is the song went. Sure, yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. a day trip, you know. And yeah. uh, to her, to her, life was like a a day a, a day trip each each day. I mean, um, from a helicopter ride to Disneyland to uh, not just driving, but a helicopter ride to a, a seaplane to Catalina to. Um, uh, uh, going to expensive restaurants in uh, uh, downtown Hollywood. And uh, here I was three and yeah. four years old uh, walking into the Tahitian and or uh, Hamburger <laughs> Hamlet. Uh, 
or uh, Farrell's ice cream parlor and ordering a huge banana split, you know, LA in the 60s, you know. Um, it, was, it was just a, a, a great time uh, yeah. living with my mom. My mom was a, was a, a, live, a live firework. She well, was, that's the kind of thing. Yeah, actresses, <laughs> it, uh, that helps in that career to she, do that. But I guess, a, you know. She, she was a Roman candle. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, do you remember do you remember the time she was on? Do you remember specifically Star Trek? I mean, I don't know if you're a sci by the time you're 6 and 7 if you have like sci-fi memories and this is cool and did it did it resonate with you that a did she talk about this as like a big this is a big boost. This is an all new, an, an all new high. Yes, I've been in movies with with Jack Lemmon, you know, and Marilyn Monroe, but here, this I'm going to be a regular in a series, and it's very cool. And did you go? Oh, this is cool. Like good for her. And on top of, did you understand that it was this space show? I mean, what was your memory of her getting the job at the beginning? Were you excited? Well, yeah. Was she excited? Yeah, sure, Larry. She um, was actively involved on the set right down the street at uh, Desi Lu, and then um, mid-season when she filmed Mary, uh, Mary with uh, Michael J. Pollard. Um, right. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, Kim Darby. Um, she was able to cast us, get us cast, my brother and I, Scott, mm -hmm. in as an extras in the Miri series, where the Grups uh, were uh, sabotaging uh, the uh, <laughs> pharmaceutical endeavors to make themselves better. They were actually self-sabotaging themselves. It's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, associations with what's going yeah. on today is a little it? metaphor in there yeah, yeah know, but there, yeah, that, that you know that there's the writers right there there's the, that the, was a great that was a great episode for getting a lot of the kids of not just the actors but the uh i think vince mckevity's uh kid the director's kid was in there yeah so you were in the kid cast like a lot of uh yeah and there was uh <laughs> there was a um a scene that uh my brother and i and J, uh, michael j pollard were in where we stole the communicators uh, they cut a lot out of it, you know, that they leave a lot of film on the floor. But um, Michael J. Pollard, they streamlined it and had him crawl out of the call space and steal the communicators. And we were left in there and we helped him. And uh, at five years old, I got my social security card from that. Uh, that was my <laughs> first working experience. Well, that's awesome. So do you remember, was she, was it hard, was it easy to tell, do you have any memory of at, at that age, five and six, was she like especially excited about getting this job or to you was it just another job that mom was going off to do, another acting well, job? there was a sense of excitement uh, from her. She, you know, she's very dedicated and up until that point she had been very dedicated in all her filmography and her Broadway and her singing. She's, my, what I've learned about my mother was that she's very, uh, uh, focused and um, uh, mm -hmm. dedicated to what she's doing, and she's pretty keen. And so when she got landed Star Trek, um, she wanted to do the best, very best job she could. And so she was very serious and um, uh, and approached it with a lot of um, uh, dedication and uh, sincerity and genuine uh a genuineness and that comes out in her acting when when they cast her what she brought onto the set was some sparkle and some magic and some spunk and some sense of humor and some sexuality that was not there without mm -hmm. her 
And when, mm-hmm. what she brought into that show was was a part of who we are as humans. And we that's that's what we recognize in all the characters of Star Trek. They all bring something from our, our, our own identity. And what she brings in is what I just mentioned. And those are important um, those are important concepts in in the in humanism, uh, mm-hmm. human individuality, uh, not humanism, but in, in individual human characteristics. Right. And, and trying to and trying to humanize something as as cold as space, yes. and in the '60s, something yes. as unfamiliar to audiences as science fiction and rockets in space. And this is crazy, right? We've well, only had three or four years of even man's or crude spaceflight. Well back. put, Larry. Um, that, yeah. that is a, that is exactly what I what uh, what I how what, how I would uh, put that. So thank you. Yes, the the coldness of space, the machines, the cold walls. Well, what 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 they brought in was a living, vibrant, beautiful. Jiggler, you know, a shaker. <laughs> My mom would walk around the set. It was, it was, it was fun to watch. Was- Shaking things up. Well, that and and uh, all the primary colored uh, uniforms yeah. and sets to sell those RCA color TVs. Mm-hmm. Well, the one of the points though of the document, we a lot of people over the years, and one of the one of the few um, pieces of evidence that we really have of this are all the publicity photos, the early. I call them the flashlight photos. A lot of folks, the early versions of costumes, but it's there's Bill Shatner's Kirk and Leonard Nimoy's uh, Spock and your mom. And you can tell that's pretty much the cast as they were shooting those early photos. You kind of get an idea that that this placement of her as I say, the, the, the second banana or the third banana, I guess, after Kirk and Spock. And yes, now we think about McCoy and Scotty and, uh, you know, DeForest Kelly and Jimmy Doohan and the rest of the cast, Sulu and Uhura and Chekhov. And, but in the early going here, as this document, our document here, she's listed third, basically. So I guess that's, she was very excited to do that. She's talk, she talks in her book about the initial impulse of the show was, and if you watch the early episodes, her title card is shared with DeForest Kelly at the end. You know, the only the only actors up front above the line getting residuals originally are Shatner and Nimoy, Kirk and Spock, and everybody else's in, in the style of the day. And that's why DeForest Kelly bumping up to the opening credits was a big deal for season two. But in the beginning, she was here to be excited. So I'm imagining that, and that's something that fandom forgets about, but I'm imagining for you personally, do you remember when she was let go? Because that had to be a you know, it's always to be let go of something, to be let out of a job, to be laid off, to be fired, is always an emotional roller coaster and depressing. Do you remember her? How how that transferred with her when you were that young with her? Yes, I do. And you know, uh, speaking about the the photos, the early flashlight photos. You know, there's a there's a um, uh, a trifecta going on where you have mm-hmm. where you have Bill and you have Leonard. And then you have Grace, and they form a triangle that is—it's—it's um, it's holistic. There's something about it that that the the uh, uh, gene captured, and that vision is what people uh, uh, what 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 people notice, and what I notice in those some of those photos, and. Um, 
that's an important uh, feeling to have about a show. There's, there was something very holis uh, organic about that and holistic. Um, you can understand that, and the fans listening, thank you for listening, everybody, and thank you for being here with us. It's so nice to have you here. Um, you know, my mother um, was working very hard and, uh, and, and she noticed that there was chemistry. And when, unfortunately, sexuality and sin um, and violation um, breached, mm -hmm. breached that triangle or that, that cast, that trust within the cast and within the, the corporation of that, um, uh, of, of the, of the series, you can understand that, that that would knock her off her feet. And it did. Mm -hmm. uh, she became, um, uh, she, she, she probably got some, uh, some, uh, a stress syndrome from it. Uh, anyone would, yeah. you, you're here, you are working hard. There's chemistry. It's perfect. And then, uh, uh, yes. Okay. This uh, human sin. Uh huh. Something that we're all very. Uh, and you know, we should through. stop and remind everybody. She talked about this in her book, which yeah. she wrote many years before she passed away. Mm -hmm. That um, you know, for years and years and years, the PR answers were that that why did Yeoman ran the show? Why was Grace off? Oh well, we decided that the character had gotten too close to the captain. He's married to the ship. They'd become a there'd become a, a personal relationship yeah. that wasn't working. You know, they they began hiring oh, just guest yeoman during the series, yeah, all, all of that. But she talks about there was a sexual assault one week at a you know one of the after hours studio parties, and she didn't name the perpetrator, but um, that threw her for a loop. She was let go soon after, mm -hmm. and uh, I believe you've talked about how that wasn't the inciting incident that that led to some of her addiction and, and uh, trauma problems that maybe she was dealing with those demons and keeping them under control but that's that was like i think you said the last straw sure and you know personally you know we're, we're, we're all broken and um in the in the in the acting industry there's a lot of brokenness and everyone knows that and everyone listening knows that well yeah uh, stuff happens and that's what and, and sometimes that's the texture that entertainers draw on yes. to give such powerful performances and such powerful well, and, you know creations musicians do the same thing and right. uh, we all do that in our relationships and uh, so we all are wise and we all uh, to that and we all know that that stuff happens and in the industry that uh, the acting industry we know that those things happen and but that doesn't mean that there are not emotion there's not emotional damage and uh, and that's just what happens. And it did it. It knocked her off her feet. And uh, already she was fragile. Uh, many people are. We all are. And uh, she was fragile. And of course, uh, the entertainment industry uh, being what it is, uh, there's drinking, there's uh, pressure, there's um, pressure to be thin, there's pressure to be uh, accurate, there's pressure to be, uh, 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 I should say, um, have a good attitude. Yeah. Even mm -hmm. when things are not going well. And so, yes, that led her into a spiral, just like many of all of us have been in and uh, she's no different and uh, took her years to recover from that. Uh, that spiral lasted, um, until she was 50 
And she, uh, she left the series in uh, 1966, and so uh, born in 1930. And so um, she probably spiraled for about 15 years. And at age yeah. 50, uh, she had had enough and was able, by the grace of God, to recover from the spiral. She pulled out of the spiral, you guys. And uh, uh, her strength and her willingness to do that is a part of her character led her to uh, to pull out of the death spiral. Yes. And it was... Uh, it well, yeah. She wrote, and you've talked about uh, her religion played a part in that, her recovery programs played a part in that. Sure. And, uh, I, I, and she had she had been in the movies. They'd had her back as movies. Gene had her in the first movie, no, most notably, and come back for fandom. Because a lot of fandoms, even with those 13 episodes, people, uh, people want to know what happened to her and where she was. And there was a lot of celebration to see her back with the cast in the first movie. And then, you know, politics around the productions changed and different people, you know, Gene wasn't running them. But they did, you know, Har Bennett had her back two or three times, um, not always. And then years later, and after this period, you know, she was in flashback on Voyager when they did the, the, shout, the shout out back to Star Trek VI. So, so it was good that she was working and having those moments. But, yeah, her day-to-day -day work is something that she recounted in the book. And you said it's her, her spirituality, her faith that she always uh, drew as a rock. And, and what she got back from fans once she realized that, that, that you still love me, right? Yes. And the conventions. And, sort. you know, uh, we, we know that actors need uh, attention, uh, just like musicians and just like we all do. And um, when she was beginning her sobriety and her recovery from her spiral, uh, Star, the Star Trek, the motion picture was... Uh, they casted her. And so what a, a, a wonderful reward for her. Mm. And it was, and it was looked at as, uh, as a, another opportunity in her recovery to do it again, but better. And so, um, or do it again with, in recovery. And, um, and b let me remind you that when in the, in the 60s, when she was in the original, she was sober. She might have, she might have been, uh, you know, a, a casually drinking, but really she was quite serious back then. And she, she just had two children. And, uh, and so she was a very healthy young lady. And so, um, but um, coming at the motion picture in full sobriety and then riding that uh, all the way until her passing in 19, uh, 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 1985, uh, she was uh, uh, always ascending from that low spot. And so my mother, right. uh, the big ball of energy, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the quick-witted and sassy and feminine, and beautiful woman uh, was ascending from that um, low spot, starting with the motion picture ever since. And uh, uh, those are the some of the best years of her life were spent during this time. Well, I, one thing I also want to include, I remember this, but I think a lot of our younger fans don't, even those that have had, had that have her book and have read her wonderful book. Uh, and I'm so glad she she put all that down. Her all ends of her her beginning, middle, and and uh, the later years of her career and her recovery and all that. But the album that she recorded, and I I have um, 
I have the single that she was selling at conventions, Take a Star Trip. And I remember the disco years and the disco skates and all of that. And she and she looked awesome. And I think that was about the time she was starting her recovery path. But uh, she wrote a lot of her music with, with threads of Star Trek in it. She's, you know, dodging copyright issues, I know. But um, you, you brought a clip. Uh, we've got a little bit here we can play. Um, why did you why did you pick this? Is this a favorite of yours from her album? From that time? Well, actually, yes. I, I, I've listened to her album, and I watched her record it. And um, she worked very hard on these originals. And this um, this song is all about uh, the uh, her character in Star Trek and why she was brought in. And that is because, um, because uh, well, uh, why she was brought in. And that is to add a love interest or to round out the coldness of space with a uh, beautiful, uh, sassy, <laughs> witty, and intelligent uh, and good-looking woman. And so, yes, in everybody's mind on the Enterprise, uh, the women maybe, they're looking at James T. Kirk and they're thinking, my goodness, isn't he, isn't he debonair? Isn't he uh, handsome? Mm -hmm. And my gosh, I would love to have a relationship uh, a long-lasting relationship with the captain. Well, she was no different, and this song reflects her. Um, uh, uh, this song is a reflection of her thoughts when she's privately contemplating and reflecting about right. uh, having a romantic relationship with uh, William with uh, James T. Kirk. Right. Well, this is why I thought it was a treat, because the album is called Grace Lee Whitney Collection, and the name of this is How Will He Love Me? Yes, she's reflecting on how will James T. Kirk love her when, if and when that opportunity will come. Yes. I'm so glad we had that. I, a lot of our later fans aren't aware of the big... You know, they knew she sang on stage or sang in productions, but yes, yeah, she put out an album. She had that for con sales. Uh, I have the single. But um, you, had, you had a chance to go with her to some conventions at time, right? You got to see the love back and forth. I know that really energized her. Uh, even as, as, as at home day to day, she was working with others in recovery. She was doing outreach. She was doing some of the... Uh, some of the the spiritual work that gave her a lot of uh, a lot of um, you know purpose yes yeah and helped others but you also saw her with fans too and right up until the end uh, she she it was sad she died suddenly right she went in for a procedure actually uh, what what happened was um, is that uh, the uh, on Wednesday her and I were laughing standing together in her kitchen. And she was, uh, her, her and I would often meet. We live right next to each other. And uh, we're laughing and talking joyously. And uh, 
then two days later, uh, she basically uh, collapsed peacefully in her home um, and there was no pain or suffering or anything. I think uh, she just beamed mm. out, you know, and, um, and uh, I'm grateful that she was happy all the way to the end and she passed away peacefully. I have no doubt she's in heaven. Right. Well, I have no doubt either. She was, she was a star and a gem, and I'm so glad a lot of a lot of fans uh, got to know her on the convention circuit later in life. She's left us this book, "The Longest Trek: My Tour of the Galaxy" by Grace Lee Whitney with Jim Denny. Um, I think you said you make those available at times. Uh, there, can people find a copy of that? Well. Um, I have not had the book printed uh, uh, in a long time. Perhaps I'll make it available. You know, okay. you, you mentioned her purpose, and I'll just, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just speak to that very briefly. My mother's purpose was to bond with individuals, and it's something I learned about her as I got older, that she paid a lot of attention to her fans. She was very personable and transparent with them, and that led her to be a diligent warrior uh, in recovery here locally in Central California and in Los Angeles for 30 years. She was a, a light, and she brought light into 12-step uh, recovery and into people's lives and exponentially affected people's wellness. And... Um, uh, besides singing and entertaining and acting, uh, the, her purpose for the last 30 years was devoted to helping people and mm -hmm. being transparent with them. And that was a huge part of my mother's personality ever since she had probably been born and that she carried that with her. And then it blossomed later in life when she uh, developed her own sense of self and her that came with her dedication to the father the son and the holy spirit that is that is how it was brought out of her when she got in touch with her maker and um, that is something she would want me to tell everyone here today and she is she is uh, she would be joyous at me sharing that with you and sharing yes sharing that idea with you because that is her wish for you yes for, and i speak to everyone general in, in general yes to uh, to um, uh, develop your 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 sense of purpose uh, by uh, getting in touch with your higher power well Thank you for sharing that, Jonathan, coming yeah. here. I, I, I'll just, I, I'm looking here at the foreword for her book. Leonard Nimoy wrote it and starts right off calling. He says, I call her Amazing Grace. So that's nothing's more fitting than uh, she and Leonard were close. I know that. So it was great that he wrote the foreword for her book. Listen, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking some time here to, to, to help us open a new season and help us get to know your mother, Grace Lee Whitney, better and, and some of those touchstones in her life. And uh, I'm sure people are Googling and searching for, for the book. They can, they can find uh, existing copies or find some new ones, or you'll let the world know about it. But thanks so much for being with us on The Trek Files. 
I'm so glad that I could be part of the premiere show with you, Larry. And I want to thank you for inviting me here. And my mother sends her greetings, I'm sure. She's smiling at us from heaven. So <laughs> hello, everybody out there in Trekland. And uh, my mother, Grace Lee Whitney, sends her love. And you know she does. I know she does. Thank you so much for, for bringing that message for us, John. Thank you, Larry. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. All of our documents and your chance to comment are right there at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Trek Files. Now, for more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me. Hit LarryNimacek.com. Trek well, everybody. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.